Yourself with Sarah Dawkins. Episode 34 with guest Jehan Sator. Jehan is a cognitive behavioral therapist, hypnotherapist, nutrition coach, mindfulness teacher, and specialist in the area of subconscious self-sabotage. Jehan helps people to understand and become mindful, allowing the negative automatic thoughts about events in the external and the associated programs to reveal themselves fully so that they can learn to establish deep inner peace and operate from purpose and passion. Much of Jehan's work focuses on removing the disempowering thoughts and beliefs from the subconscious mind, which causes us to create less than favorable emotional consequences and circumstances. Jehan also teaches when to meditate, how to meditate, and why you have certain thoughts and feelings during meditation and how to handle them effectively. So Jehan, thank you and welcome to Heal Yourself Show. Thanks for having me on. It's good to oh, see you. it's my pleasure. It's great to see you again. Yeah, yeah. Would, would you like to share your own healing with the listeners? Yeah, so 12 years ago, I was a wreck. When I say a wreck, I mean, it, it, was, it was bad. It was really bad. I could hardly function. And uh, I was a professional musician, and guitar player, and... I was getting a lot of success and things like that. And I'm talking about like international acclaim and things like that. But I was in such a dark place that I could not appreciate the success that I was having. You know, I felt like no matter what I was doing, something wasn't right. And I took to drugs and alcohol to try to numb the problems that I was having. So specifically anxiety, the kind of anxiety that keeps you awake at night because you're afraid to go to sleep, the kind of anxiety that hits you as soon as you wake up in the morning because you don't know what your day is going to be like. You feel as though you're inside of a cage and somebody's just rattling it all the time. And then what would happen is that in between the anxiety, I would start to feel shame. So I would start to point the finger inward and be like, you know, everything's your fault. Nobody likes you. This is why this thing's happening, that thing's happening. And um, I just wanted to turn it all off. So pretty much all I did any chance I could get was I would drink. And um, it eventually got to a point where I tried to commit suicide three different occasions. And that was when it all changed for me because I'm not gonna cuss on your show, but I actually heard myself say, I can't even kill myself. And there was some expletives in between there, <laughs> you know? And um, when I heard myself say that, I actually felt a shift. And I realized that I had to do something. I had to do something to try to fix the problem and I never wanted to go to therapy or anything like that because I didn't want to be put on medication because I just kind of saw that as being the same thing as what I was doing with the alcohol. I was trying to turn it off and not actually enjoy my life. So, I mean, what else would you like for me to tell you? I'm sure you have questions about that. (laughs) 
It's difficult, isn't it? Because I've been there and, and I've felt the suicidal depression feelings and, and you do just turn inwards, don't you? It's, and the world is dark um, and bleak and you don't know how to interact with it. Um, and I didn't even know how I was feeling other than I was in a dark abyss. Um, is that where you were at or did you did you feel something? That's exactly what it felt like. It, there was a numbness that accompanied everything. And that's what made it confusing because when you were anxious, at least you felt something. When it transitioned over to the, the depression, it was hard to feel anything. And sometimes the voices inside your head could be so harsh that mm. the sting that comes with the emotion from that was just too much. And so what would I do? I, I would go out and drink again, or I would go to try to get some kind of drugs or something and alcohol usually to go along with it because I was afraid of going to sleep. I was afraid to be alone with my thoughts. And so when I did that, I would just uh, often just lock myself in a room and play my guitar because I would be doing something, my attention would be focused on that and I wouldn't have to think about anything. And I did a lot of writing and notebooks and stuff and I would be unpacking things about what happened to me when I was younger. My dad was really, really abusive. He was an alcoholic as well. And one of the worst parts about being in that abyss, as you say, is that when you try to communicate to people how you feel, they undermine you. And I don't mean to, but I realized that as well. A lot of people in my surroundings, they, they weren't interested in helping or they didn't have any insight to offer, you know? So that made it so much worse yeah and i and i found i just went so into myself that i wasn't even really aware of what's going on outside of me so and and you know people would say reach out to me my doors always say just ring me on the phone and i'm like would never even cross my mind because i was so in myself you know i would hear the words but they, they would then bounce off me and um, and i just couldn't reach out to anybody and i couldn't see people reaching out to me because I was just in this dark place. Yeah, that does happen. Yeah. yeah. And, and what did you do on your healing journey? What, how did you start turning that around? Well, you know, fortunately, the instant I said what I said out loud, I can't even kill myself, right? I felt like there was a space in my mind that opened up. It's very difficult to describe what happened to the average person. You, you kind of had to be there. You kind of had to be in the feeling. So I kind of realized that I was in the driver's seat at this point. And the strangest thing happened. Like somebody just handed me a book. And it was by Sylvia Brown, the psychic. And she was talking about meditation. And so I thought to myself, maybe I ought to try that. And I just, I gave it my best shot, honestly. And it was terrible because, you know, you're anxious and you can't really figure out how to center yourself. But I just knew that if I did that, everything would change. I don't know how I knew, but I just kept on with it. No matter what would happen, I would just try again and again and again. And eventually I started up meditating for hours at a time 
And what would happen is that I would learn to feel the emotions. And I spent a lot of time, honestly, just bawling my eyes out. Because for the first time, my subconscious mind had the opportunity to say a lot of things that was going on underneath the surface. And I was finally ready to listen. So it just became, it's kind of like throwing out the trash, honestly. You know, if you decide to move out of your house, you realize how much garbage you accumulated that you really didn't use. And you have to throw all that stuff out or give it away. That was essentially what it was like on an emotional level. Yeah, yeah. And Anna, did you find when you started to meditate, um, when I tried it, first of all, um, I found that there's this voice on my shoulder going, you're not worthy, you can't do this, nobody wants you, and that negative self-talk. So for me, uh, my, my experience of that was like, I couldn't just sit still and be with that because well, quite frankly, I did, A, I didn't want to listen to it, and B, it wasn't, I knew it wasn't helping me. So I went into guided meditations to get me over that hurdle of not wanting to listen to that. And it was after, after I got the hang of doing some form of meditation, I was then able to go on and do some silent meditations because I was able to stop that voice from coming. Because it's although it's in our own voice, the words aren't ours, are they? Um, I didn't even have access to guided meditations at that time. Okay. So that was the thing that, because I, I only got like a smartphone in 2018. I resisted technology for a long time. And uh, I had no idea there was a, a whole world out there that you could access those things. So I kind of did it the hard way. But what I came to realize is that there was this voice talking on my shoulder and I was able to listen in such a way that I could trace it back to its origin. And a lot of that was my parents, my father especially. And I remember one memory specifically where the I'm not good enough came from. When I was a little kid, I would sit at the phone on the evening time and wait for him to call because he would still be at work. He, he had his own office. He would stay late at the office and he would drink. And when he got nice and drunk, he would call, usually around 5.30. And I would answer. And you know you're a kid, so you just want to love your parents, even though they're doing what they're doing. So I would sit there and listen to him go on and on and on. And I was a fairly bright kid academically. And he would say things to me like, you think that you're smarter than me. You'll never do whatever you know you'll never achieve this thing or that thing you think because you're valedictorian and you're better than me you think that you know because and it, it could this continued on into my teenage years as well where any chance you get he would say things like that oh you think you're studying business management you'll never be a better business person than me you'll never do this and you'll never do that right and he's one of these people too where nothing you did was ever done the right way if you cook spaghetti and it wasn't cooked specifically the way he liked it, yeah. it was a problem. He didn't have a tantrum, you know? So I was able to unpack that a lot of the stuff that he said was the source. And then, of course, you know, the mind likes to make connections to things. So I started connecting all of the not-enoughness to rejections that I had 
when I was a teenager, friendships, girlfriends, whatever. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's great that you saw that and you became the observer of your thoughts. Um, when I tried to do it, I, I wasn't able to do that at that time. Um, and I don't know how I found guided meditations. I really don't. But for me, that helped me over that time because I wasn't able to sit with those words because, like you, I was trying not to kill myself. I'd spent hours, days thinking of different ways to do it. But but for me, it was so that I didn't leave a mess for my family to clean up. Um, and, and I wanted something that was quick and easy that, that I wouldn't suffer. So when I had this negative voice on my on my shoulder, for me, it was it was feeding into those suicidal thoughts. Um, so I knew that I, I, I wasn't able to do that at that time. So the guided meditations got me over that part until I was a little bit further down my own healing journey. And then I was able to listen to those voices and like yourself, acknowledge the origins of them. Yes, it's my voice in my head, but the words aren't mine. The words are other people's, you know, get close people to me when I was when I was a child um, and saying things off the cuff you know um, for me it was more about I think it was um, they were trying to help me to grow and and um, because back in in those days you know it was um, it was always the, the stick rather than the carrot so um, I think it was my parents way of, of trying to to make me see things differently rather than nurturing they they did what only they knew, which must have come from their own childhood. So you can see once you start delving into the origins of the voices, the words inside your head, you can see the origins. Um, and as we start to heal, we can give ourselves and others that compassion and unconditional love because we're all a product of our, of our life's experiences. And until we become conscious of that, we can't make those changes. So it must have taken you a lot of strength to sit with those 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 words knowing and, and until you realize they're not your words they're, they're where they you know find the origin of them yeah i i wanted to give up every day you know? i'm sure and, and that's a, a part of the reason why i i do what i do now because number one when I did reach out to people, they didn't understand enough. They didn't have the insight. They'd never gone through what I'd been through. So they couldn't help me even if they tried. And two, because the guided meditation thing is so powerful, I wouldn't want anybody to have the experience of trial and failure, failure that I did. Uh, and sometimes you need someone that can walk you through the steps, that can say to you, hey, uh, okay, so tell me what's going on. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? Is there a smell? What, what is it that's unpacked that together? And then a person feels safer because they have the opportunity to just open their eyes and come out of it and tell you, here's what I saw. And then you can kind of not tell the person what to do because you never really want to do that. You just want to get them to self-realize, just ask them questions about it, you know? And it, it's comforting to have that. I, I never had that. So I try to do the things that I had to learn to do for myself or other people so that they can also learn that it's not that hard to do. Um, what you were saying about uh, the origin of 
your pain. Um, there's a great book called It Didn't Start With You. And I can't remember the author's name, but if you look up on Amazon, you'll find it, and it's really nice. Yeah, it's passed down through the generations, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it stops with us. Once we've become conscious of it, we can then make that conscious decision to not pass that forwards. Um, but it, a, another thing as well, I think it's about validating your feelings. A lot of people, like you say, don't understand, and some people don't want to understand. But for most of us in this situation, it's about not being validated as a child. You know, your, your feelings or your words or your expressions not being validated and, and, and parents saying, well, well, why did you do that? Why did you say that? You know, why do you think that? Don't be silly, stop crying, it'll be okay. It's that lack of validation. Um, so when we reach out to people, we're just looking for validation. Like say, we don't always want someone to give us an answer and, and quite often there isn't an answer. We have to go inside and work that out for ourselves. But it's nice for someone to, to validate, I see you, I hear you, and know that you've been seen and heard. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's, that's tough, being that unseen, unheard child. Yeah, and you know, we both come from generations that were still raising their kids on children should be seen and not heard, which is a, a big programming mechanism for our parents you know yeah yeah that's and, not what and, it meant <laughs> i didn't mean to undermine your child no no absolutely absolutely but it's they are a product of their upbringing and and until they become conscious you know more than likely our parents have no idea of how to become conscious of of their belief systems um and their emotions um, to heal them it was just a you know on autopilot i'm going to do this because that's the way it should be done or that's the way it's always been done unless people become conscious of where their beliefs come from um then they can't make those changes they will just continue to run doing what their parents did what their parents did what their parents did through the line and once we become conscious we can make that decision that actually this stops with me now and i'm not going to perpetuate that trait I'm going to change my words, I'm going to change my behaviours. Uh, and even my beliefs and thoughts about things, you know, it's it's a, it's absolutely okay to change your thoughts and beliefs. We, they're not set in concrete. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing because if we understood how much stuff we did that didn't come from us, we would be greatly empowered beings because we would have to take a, a non-aggressive look at the reasons why we do the things that we do or think what we think and we would just be able to let it go but most people unfortunately still they're either not exposed to the information they're not receptive to the information or they're not in a space where even if they heard it it would make sense to them at that time just because of all the programming and one of the things that i tell people is that not everything comes from childhood there's 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 things that you know the, all that stuff when we talk about um from conception to about age of seven that's just your core belief that's everything that 
we kind of accept from the environment around us up until we're about seven years old because we're just trying to survive and onboarding all of this stuff really quickly even when we're in the womb we're taking this stuff in but then there's things that kind of come in on a genetic level essentially and it's carried over from our ancestors and it's just kind of added to our genes and uh that's what's stored in what they call the morphogenetic field of intelligence around the body and it just kind of kicks in without knowing it so you could be doing something that <laughs> your ancestor did and it's totally inappropriate for this lifetime and i guess the common example is like running from a lion or something or a tiger but you're really in uh, Times square and you're trying to catch a bus or something you're trying yeah. to get a cab but uh, there's also like the historical level which is things from past levels and things that were downloaded into the collective consciousness and what's interesting about that is that i realized too after some time this is after years of meditating maybe in about three years of meditating every single day i started to realize that there were things that i thought or that i felt about the world or about myself that weren't coming from just me or wasn't coming from childhood you know so the more you do it the more layers you peel back and eventually you get to what is called like the soul level where whatever's in your heart and you start to realize that everything that is in your heart is really what you end up creating you know and it's hard to accept because you see things in your life that are chaotic that aren't going well and you realize that there's some things that you you have to rewire you know so it's, it's an interesting journey. It is for sure, for sure. And, and, and we, you know, we, if we're not sure of what's going on in our subconscious mind, we only have to look at our world around us because it's a reflection of our subconscious mind. So if there's something we want to change in the conscious, there's something equally in the subconscious that goes alongside it as well. Yeah, it's true. Subconscious mind is something else. I'm telling you, I've been fascinated with it from day one. And how that got started is because of trying to get rid of the anxiety and things like that. Because I read a lot of textbooks like CBT for anxiety. And what I found was that inside of these books, they had a lot of questioning frameworks that when I applied them to myself, it didn't work for me. It didn't bring up the information that I needed to look at. And so I kind of had to develop my own way of questioning myself. And I, I would love to say that there's a magical blueprint or a series of tools that would work specifically for each person. But I think that when it comes to self-talk, you owe it to yourself to honor your inner voice and find out how you want to be spoken to how you like to talk to yourself because if you take like in nlp and things like that where they have the chunking up chunking down techniques where you learn to ask yourself certain questions and then break it down into specifics that doesn't always work for everyone sometimes if you just learn a person's language and feed it back to them they realize hey that's how i'm talking to myself yeah yeah because i think a lot of people aren't aware of the language that they use they, they're not conscious of it 
And when you give it back to them and say, this is what you said, you know, is this what you mean? Or, or the intonations in it, um, they can be quite surprised. Um, and I've seen it with a few people, um, you know, that they will act differently in different circumstances. Um, or they will say things that don't really resonate with what's going on. But when you when you give it back to them, that it, it takes them back because they, they're running on autopilot. And then it gives them a chance to reevaluate what they've said it, where it's come from, why they've said it, and maybe change their story. Because as Tony Robbins says, isn't it? It's change your change your life by changing your story. And we can all change our story. With you know, many people have got um, a very negative story um, throughout their life, but it's about accepting that things have happened outside of our control. But how do we want it to be now today? And how do we want it to look in the future? And we, only us, only ourselves can change that. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I love that you're calling it autopilot because that's essentially what it is. The subconscious is autopilot. But mindfulness is the exact opposite to yes. autopilot. And so that's why it's such a critical thing. And you know, I'm really glad that it's getting more attention in society now because if that was a commonly talked about thing when i was going through it i would have gotten to where it was a lot faster yes yeah and i funnily enough i stumbled upon mindfulness by accident um when i was out walking my dog in the in the depths of my deep depression not my deep depression the deep depression that i was in because it wasn't mine to own um and I just suddenly noticed one day that there was like buds and leaves on the trees and uh, I could hear the wind in the in the branches and the stream. And before that, I was in such a deep, dark hole that I wasn't even aware of it. So um, so I, I stumbled upon it. It was only later through my healing, I realized that's what was happening. But um, do you want to elaborate more on mindfulness? Right, yeah, I'm so glad you said that because it, the same experience happened to me like there was an awareness of nature and the vibrance snow fell for the first time and i saw it and i was like this is beautiful where's this been my whole life and something as simple as that it clicked for me i can enjoy this whereas before i just didn't see it it was a rain would fall and it would just be water falling from the sky and people who haven't experienced that think that's ridiculous you know but that's what really happens to you when you numb yourself out. So yeah, mindfulness is just like a, I like to say it's a Swiss army knife for consciousness. <laughs> oh, I like it, yeah. And I always refer people to a few books. First one is Power Versus Force by Dr. David Hawkins. Because what he does is he breaks down the states of consciousness. And so at the very lowest level, you have things like uh, shame and guilt and stuff like that. And then at the highest level, you have things like love and enlightenment. Somewhere in the middle, there's what's called neutrality. But then you realize that shortly under neutrality is actually anger. And so I like to think of mindfulness as being aware of what your state of consciousness is at any given time and try to figure out for yourself, why is that? Why am I feeling shame? Why am I feeling guilt? Why am I angry? Because even in psychology, we have that scale by uh, 
Elizabeth Kubler-Ross that shows you the change curve and, and anger is one of those levels that you have to go through when you experience something. If you don't pass through anger, you, you don't resolve it. So it's almost like, how do I go from the bottom level, pass through that layer of anger, which is an outcome-based emotion, and you figure out what is the outcome that I wasn't getting, what need wasn't being met, and then you can move past that into the higher states of consciousness, into love for yourself and, and all things. And it's a constant process, but it, it's about having a willingness to go there all the time. Like Anthony DeMello said once, wisdom grows in proportion to one's awareness of one's ignorance, right? So ignorance doesn't mean that you're stupid. Look at the word, ignorance. What am I ignoring? And so mindfulness allows us to kind of be aware of the things that we either don't want to hear or we're ignoring because we're just accustomed to living mindlessly on autopilot. And it's so easy in today's modern world, isn't it, to be mindless, mm-hmm. not yeah. mindful, because there's so there's so many distractions. We're distracted from going inwards and, and understanding ourselves by the chaos and the noise on the external. Right. And I mean, I've been a, a progenitor of just turning off the TV and turning off the radio and all this stuff for a long time because that was a necessary step for me because guarding your consciousness from outside forces is a necessary step when you realize simple things like the music you listen to dictates your state of consciousness because you emotionally identify with the lyrical content because you identify with the harmony of the music if it's instrumental music and you can compare the mood of the music you listen to to the mood that you're in when you listen to it and you realize this actually isn't good for me. For a lot of people, that's the first time they feel something. So that was hard for me to swallow as a musician because whether I ate or not depended on that. (laughs) So uh, when you realize that the things that you watch on television have a big effect on you and it goes way deeper than just it being a comedy or a horror movie or drama or whatever it's the emotional center of your brain can't tell the difference between reality and what's on the screen and the majority of the time what you put in there that limbic system is is learning the behaviors on the tv and you begin to act that out in your life so you have to guard your consciousness and when you learn to do that then if you do want to watch Netflix and you do want to go to a heavy metal concert or whatever, you can then have a better level of awareness and and still try to enjoy it as a human being in this experience, right? Yeah. So I, I try to tell people you have to be willing to go there. You have to be willing to give up all of these things in order to learn what peace feels like. It's, it's, la- it's layers, you know? Yeah, and we gave, talking of giving up, we gave up our TV about eight years ago, um, and we don't have a radio, um, but I do like to listen to songs when I'm in the car, um, and I tend to listen to the same, very similar songs, as I've got about 300 and something, but I tend to ha- um, listen to the similar songs, and actually there's one song in particular where I change the words, because I do, he sings about a negative, and I make it positive, um, so I'm using his words, 
but I'm adding an extra word in it. I can't remember the, the line now, but I know when I hear the song, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to sing his words. I'm going to change it to my words because it's much more positive. It's an upbeat song. Um, but I like that when I'm driving, just really upbeat songs. But that's the only time I ever listen to music. Yeah. I'm an extremist. You know, so. Oh, somebody laid an egg. <laughs> I'm an extremist. Oh, <laughs> <Score>. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just don't listen to anything anymore. But when I'm out, I can't avoid it. So yeah. I, I hear music or whatever, and I do exactly what you do. I change the lyrics in my head because that's another aspect of mindfulness that is often missed. You can accept or reject anything that you hear. And the auditory cortex is one of the most sensitive faculties. And so what you hear, you tend to believe just as fast as anything that you see. And yeah. so people don't realize that you can, I don't want to use this terminology, deny a reality, but you can just kind of like tweak things, customize it. It's your yeah. consciousness. Yeah. We have the power of choice. Absolutely. It's a superpower. And yeah, that's why everything is. is geared towards disabling that superpower. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's up to us what we choose. You know, we can choose the music we listen to. We can choose to change the words. We can choose to watch the TV, not watch the TV or get rid of the TV. And, and then with emotions, you know, it's about, we can choose our emotions on top of that as well. Um, and I, I hear people saying, well, just change a negative straight into a positive. And I'm more about with an emotion, if, if, it's, if it's there, you need to feel it acknowledge it and then maybe turn it to a positive but you can't just flip it you you have to feel it and acknowledge it yeah the positive reframe thing does not work it, that's actually repression you have to feel it first and then re-establish that meaning like you said yeah yeah just acknowledge i see you i see you sadness i see you anger thank you for showing me whatever it is i need to know and now i'm gonna get on with my day <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mindfulness is, is really great for that, and there's so many different aspects to it that are just not really spoken about, because we could talk all day about what mindfulness is, but it wouldn't do it as much justice as really unpacking what mindfulness is not, you know? So it's, it's not doing the positive reframe. It's not ignoring your emotions. It's not radical acceptance without understanding. If anything, it's really more about learning how to accept things and how to change things around in your brain so that it doesn't necessarily make things that seem hard, incorrect, harsh, dangerous, um, terrible you know all the negative descriptions it's not about ignoring the reality of those things it's about learning to accept those things and making peace with yeah. the way that things and people in the world is because we do live in that dualistic reality there's all there's always going to be this darker side of the coin or the equation that it's going to be tough to look at but that's where the pieces that's where the trust is that's where the patience is that's where the non-judgment is and that's i guess that's a, a truism 
that's difficult for people to grasp because maybe they don't want to. It's difficult to see it from their perspective. Yeah. You know? And they don't want to go there. No, but you have to. Your your whole livelihood and your children's livelihood and future generations depend on you going there. Yeah. And if and people could absolutely and if people could take themselves out of the out of the way and stop focusing on just me and myself and my needs and realize that I have to heal. I owe it to the entire world to heal what I'm going through. It, that perspective would put you in a, a better place to want to do it every single day. You know, I know that the things that I've done have probably healed other people just by having the experience. You know. Yeah. And there's the ripple effect as well. As we heal ourselves, we help others to heal themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a tendency that once you gain insight on something, someone's going to come along that's going through that same thing. And it's up to you to recognize that and say, well, hey, let's go this direction. You know, I've already been in that yeah. space. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jehan. And... Could you share one tip that somebody could take away with them today from listening to you on how they can help themselves um, today? I would say the old adage, seek first to understand. Every time something comes up, say to yourself in your head, stop. There's something that I need to understand about this it's probably beyond what i can see right now what do i need to understand and then just wait wait and listen to what your voices have to say about that you'll find that you you come to many understandings about whatever it is from the smallest thing to the biggest thing wonderful thank you for that thank you for sharing your own healing and your wisdom with myself and everyone who's listening. And where can the listeners find you, Jehan? So you can find me at my website, jehansantor.com. I'll spell that J-E-H-A-N-S-A-T-T-A-U-R. Or on Instagram, at jehansantor. And you can also send me an email directly to places jehantwsator at gmail.com or selfsabotageinfo at proton.me Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the Heal Yourself uh, show. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah.